0: Hey everyone, I'm Rain, and welcome to the very first episode of Web Chats. Thank you so much for joining us. For the last couple of months, my sister and I have been deep diving into the darkest corners of the internet, looking for the most interesting stories and guests that we could bring on our show to share with you, and I really think we've come up with something very special. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Ashley. She was born out on the East Coast in a small town that's just ravaged by drug abuse. And from the time she was nine years old, she was sexually abused by her own drug-addicted family members. As she got older, things like that continued to happen to her. And at some point, she developed her own drug addiction as a way to cope with all that trauma. Kind of understandable. But what I love the most about Ashley is where she is today. Even though she's been through so much, she still has ambition, she has hope, and you can tell that she has a crystal clear, bright vision for the future. I'm excited to follow along with her journey and see where this takes her. Now, before we get into this, just a couple quick things. One, If you enjoy this, please share it with somebody. And there's a list of different relevant topics in our show notes. If you know anybody that's struggling with any of those issues, this might be a great way for you to give them a little bit of help without making some kind of uncomfortable conversation because not everybody's open to having those kinds of discussions. You can send them this episode and maybe they can benefit from Ashley's story as well. So that's one thing. The other thing is we're always going to have a list of resources in our show notes. So the Suicide Hotline, 24-7 Drug, or Alcohol Abuse Hotline, Child Abuse Hotline, those things will always be there. So again, sending this episode around is kind of a dual purpose thing. Yeah, it's entertaining and yeah, you might just learn from it or whatever, but also you can use this as a tool to help somebody who's in need. Now, if you wanna support what we're doing, my sister and I, then you can go to web chat, uh, sorry, you can go to patreon.com slash web chats and you can subscribe for just $2.99 a month. I mean, it's really nothing, but we have this goal of getting 10,000 subscribers at $2.99 a month and then we can support each other's family and live a good life and focus all of our time and energy on this show. So that's kind of a dream. If we ever get there, who knows? But we'll keep you in the loop on how that's going. That's kind of what we're shooting for in terms of that. So other than that, I really hope that you enjoy this. I'm excited for you to hear Ashley's story. And if you want to follow us on uh, Instagram, it's at Web Podcast. And I'd love to hear what you think about this all. So here's the very first episode of Web Chats. Glad you could be here to share it with us. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hey, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Sorry. That's all good, man. I got four kids, so I already know how that goes. How many kids do you have?
1: I got uh, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. And my three-year-old is kinetic sand crazy, and I have kinetic sand all over the place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We just got a bunch of kinetic sand, too, because you know the quarantine thing. There's really not shit to do at home, so like you just got to get all the stuff you can to keep the kids busy.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... um like I'm, I do it by myself. Like I work two jobs: I work at the post office, and I deliver car parts too. So I deliver engines
0: and axles and transmissions, and I take care of her. Wow! So. Good for you. So, where's your kid's dad, and and how is that going for you? So um, my son's dad, um, he's in prison, so
1: he's never even laid eyes on our seven year old. Uh-huh. Um, so I've. Basically, um, between my parents and myself, I, I got pregnant really young and in an age, and um, but they've helped me out with him. And then with Lily, her dad, he's got his own drug addiction problems and his own situation. And he's got three other kids and he does not help until he feels like it's necessary for him to do so. And so, yeah, that just uh, I basically do everything on my own, pay the babysitters and I don't get no child support or anything like that. So.
0: Both your kids' dads um, were on drugs?
1: Uh, yeah. My daughter's dad is, um got a bad habit. And uh, around here, it's pretty bad anyway. So Where are you? Um, I'm in Virginia in a little tiny town called Dublin. So I'm like 45 minutes outside of Virginia Tech.
0: And what kind of drug problem is there? Is it like a meth problem? Oh, yeah. Methamphetamine is horrible
1: around here. Um, Nothing do but smoke dope or bored? It's awful and like we like the quarantine thing has really like
0: oh fuck (laughs) it's just (laughs) it's been
1: like um like i'm waiting on like to see like a group of methods like run down the road and like rate something it's just it's it's a mess around here. And like, he got strung out on it in a matter of just like a couple months. And like, I told him, I was like, you got two options. Like you either go to rehab or you don't, and you don't get to see your kid. If you don't, like, I can't do this no more. She can't do this no more. Right. So he went to rehab and he got out a couple months ago. And I don't really know if he's back on it or not. He only does when he wants to, and does it when he wants and that has never really changed. So I've just kind of stayed
0: away to keep her as much as possible <laughs> away from it. That's got to be hard in a place like that. I've traveled a lot and a lot of the small towns I've been to in the country. That, that That's a big fucking problem. There's nothing to do but smoke dope. There's not a whole lot of hope or opportunity. So there's really no reason not to. And they just fall into a slump of that. Is it kind of like that there?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to do around here. Like you talking about an old retirement area, like, it, you know, back in the day, it wasn't that bad, but now, like, things are shutting down. People don't have jobs. The only good jobs you got around here is, like Volvo and the Arsenal. And if you don't get one of those jobs, you're working at McDonald's or you're yeah. working two jobs. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And people around here are literally, everybody is strung out on that shit. Like, he went from going to some boxing clinic every day. To doing this shit again, and I know people who don't even go to the clinic no more because they're on the shit so bad they don't need it. And I'm like, you've living in campers like ten to fifteen at a time, living yeah. in a freaking camp. Like, wow. have you feel like lost your minds. It's awful, like literally. And I, I'm just grateful that I, I didn't really get into that stuff. So I, when I was in my addiction and everything mine was cocaine you know that was that was my drug of choice that's what i enjoyed xanax's coke and things like that but to watch people like give everything up that they own for something like this is mind-blowing we actually had an rv not long ago um i guess they were making it they've been watching so much breaking bad that they decided it was good <laughs> and i'm not kidding um like right down the road from where i live it blew up and caught on fire and they took off and ran and it literally got so hot that it melted to the pavement and they had to have hazmat come out and scrape it off. the road. It, <laughs> It's just, it's, that's
0: it's insane. Really okay. So you grew up in this place. I assume you're born and raised here. Yes. I've been born and raised here my whole life. And most people probably don't leave there. So if you're born there, you're raised there, huh? If
1: you don't get out. You'll never get out. This place will suck you in and it'll it, It will never let you go. Everybody I basically grew up with is either dead or strung out or in jail. Mm. There's very, very few of us that actually had a chance outside of this place. Mm. So, and Mm. if you get stuck, you get stuck. And the addictions around here will eat you enough to make you never be able to leave. And it makes it really difficult.
0: Do you have addiction in your family too?
1: Yeah. So, um, more or less on my mom's side of the family, um, her brothers, her dad, things like that. Um, my dad's side, no, not at all. Um, I grew up in a really abusive home, so, um, I never really had a a safe haven or anything like that. I was, um, really abused growing up. Um, I was the oldest of three girls and I got the brunt of everything. Um, I also, like, I have learning disability and I'm ADHD, so I was treated a lot differently. And I'm six mm. foot tall. I've mm. always been that tall. So when I was younger, I was bullied, you know, through school and then come home and I dealt with that at home. And so when I hit, mm. you know, I hit 10, 11 years old, I started smoking weed. And, you know, and then from there, it, I I played ball. Like, I played softball. I was so good at softball and mm. I destroyed it mm. from just not, Accepting in myself that I was good enough because of all the abuse, you know, and um, I've just dealt with a lot living around here. I've been raped a few times, and um, it just thing my my uncles and them molesting me, you know, my mom, you know, she didn't want to believe it, so she didn't really want to hear it and she didn't really care, and it was just something that, you know, they they never really wanted to deal with, with me. It was, Oh, well, you know, this is your fault. Go to counseling. or This is your fault. Take this pill. Or this is, you know,
0: just. When did that start happening to you?
1: Um, so a lot of things changed. Um, right. when I got, so I got raped. Um, the first time I had got
0: raped was, um, can I smoke a cigarette? Are you cool with that? Cause Absolutely. I'm like talking, no, I'm sure you're gonna need one if you're telling this story. You don't talk about this every day, I assume. Yeah, no,
1: I don't. This is something that I actually, um, and like the blog thing was really weird because, like, I just put it on there out of like Spark. I just wild haired, and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't talk about it, and maybe talking about it will help somebody else. And these people don't know me, so that's why I'm gonna do it. And it wound up like getting shared and liked over like a thousand times or some craziness. I don't oh. know, but. I never even thought nothing else about it i just done it so i got um i got raped when i was 12 i um, 13 actually i was molested from the time i was nine until i was 12 by my mom's brothers both of her brothers um and her stepdad as well you
0: said there was drugs on your mom's side were your uncles on drugs
1: oh yeah most they were definitely. okay Problems on the run now with his wife. Like they just, they're
0: and so, all crazy. And so were they like living with you around that time when you were nine, were they around a lot or how did that happen? Used
1: to babysit me, my aunt and my uncle. Um, and they used to babysit me and my actual, um, the youngest uncle that I have is only a few years older than me. Um, so he was always around too. So it was very easy, um, for both of them to have access. Um, My aunt was always gone, or she never really paid attention, so we were kind of just there by ourselves. Um, At first, I never really thought nothing about it. You know, I just thought family, they were loving me, you know, they were giving me hugs. But when you start grabbing me in places that, you know, you don't need to grab, and then it started to progress um, with all of the two uncles. Well, when I got older, it kind of just stopped. Um,
0: I don't know but they just didn't. I've, I've talked to a few people and one thing that I find is that a lot of kids that are taken advantage of happens when they're young and somebody feels like it's kind of safe that they can get away with it and once the kid gets old enough to where they feel like they might know what's going on they're aware now they might tell and it's dangerous that's usually when they back off that's what I've found so far from just the people I've talked to you know
1: yeah and and like, that's about what happened with me, but I never really had any transfer in it as far as a stopping. So like that yeah. kind of quit. And I told my mom and then, um, no, years down the road, I actually never said anything about it for a while. Yeah. Um, but when I was, um, 13, two days before my ninth grade year, I was raped then. So I had, um, and like this goes back to the parents being abusive and hold on yards. Like my grandmother, I buried her last year in June. And that was the only person in my life that I've ever had has ever loved me and accepted me and, and showed me what it was like to be, um, you know, a a loving person because without her, I don't know where I would be right now for Mm -hmm. real. Um, so, um, I didn't really have a safe haven at home. I didn't really have any friends. Um, I was bullied and tormented really badly. So the night that I had got raped, um, is a, a guy that still lives down the street from my parents. Now, um, here I'm 28 years old and he still lives in the same spot that he did when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had snuck out of the house to go to a friend's, um, that, that night I had snuck out the window and down the road, went to my friend's house, hung out with her. And then I was walking back home and, you know, granted, we live out in the middle of nowhere, you know, where it's, um, very rural. There's cows and, you know, not much and everybody knows everybody. And so on my way back home, he snatched me up and he, he raped me. And um, How old was he? he told me uh, at that time, he was 24.
0: And you were um, 13. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And um, so he grabbed me and my sister actually woke up in the middle of the night and realized I was gone. And so she called my cell phone. Well, in the midst of him doing what he was doing, she called, he freaked out, and he threw my clothes at me out in the middle of a gravel road, butt naked, and was like, If you tell anybody, you'll regret it. So, 13 years old, scared to death, I threw my clothes on and I ran to my grandmother's. So, I told my grandma that, you know, this had happened, and I told her I didn't know who it was. And so, they called the police, the police brought the dogs out, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I never told them that I had snuck out. And then I wound up telling them and well, it went from being, you know, oh my God, my child got raped to It's your fault. Mm. And he, my dad looked at the police and was like, take her. I don't want her. I don't care wow. what you do with her. I don't want her take her.
0: I have a 12 year old daughter. And while you're telling me this story, I'm imagining this happening to her. I'm imagining my poor little daughter going through that and then being abandoned basically or rejected by her fucking dad by me. Right? Like, I'm trying to think about this from your shoes and you must have felt so lonely and so fucking sad and so scared and so fucking like that. I'm so sorry for that. I appreciate it.
1: Um, So yeah, he didn't, uh, he didn't talk to me for like three months after that. Like he didn't speak a word to me. He ignored me. He acted like I didn't even like exist. Um, My mom, you know, she has said things and, um, made comments, you know, like, "Well, you blame the reason that you are the way you are because I do suffer with, you know, depression and anxiety and PTSD and and panic disorder." And you know, and she would make comments, "Well, you blame, you know, the way that you are because of the fact that you were raped." Well, you know, she doesn't know about the other two or the fact that I was gang raped a couple of years ago. Like, she doesn't. Just she recently.
0: Doesn't,
1: yeah. So she doesn't.
0: She now doesn't. Why don't know, you tell her all that?
1: Because I have sat and tried to talk to that woman many, many, many times in 27 years about my life or about things that have happened. And I just want her to be there. You know, I just want her to listen. I want her to, to absorb what is coming out. And she's she doesn't care. It, it gets flipped around or something else is said. Go, please. I'm on the phone. Please grab her. Just take her. I'll be in there in a minute. I promise.
0: But. Um it just never goes the way it's supposed to go.
1: Oh, and like I I got pregnant by my drug dealer the one and only time we ever did anything when I was eighteen years old. And I I I had never laid I haven't laid eyes on him in seven years. In seven years I have not laid eyes on the man. I know where he's at, I know that he's locked up again. You know, he's facing thirty-five years in prison. They my parents because I still smoke, you know, I, I not now, but when all of this was happening, I was still smoking weed and, you know, and, and because at that point, that's how I felt. I take all kinds of medications to try and help the depression, to try and help the nightmares. I still have nightmares, you know, and you're talking a couple of years ago or, you know, 10 years ago, the shit still sits in my brain mm. and it still fucks with me. And, but I've learned to live with it because... Like, I don't have no family. I got three sisters. I don't, I've i had one see this baby one time in three years. And three I got one that lives 10 minutes down the goddamn road and don't have a fucking thing to do with her. Nothing. Mm. I, her dad don't have shit to do with her. Her His mom. Nobody. We have no one. Literally, I have a man that is like my brother and he is not my blood, but we live with him and he helps us and he is loving. And he's been there since the day Lily was born. and. I, she, you know, we've just been through so much and she's been through so much in three years. Like, and on top of me and the way I feel and how I've done and I'm just, you can hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can hear the bouncing back and forth between everything that processes through my brain at one time. Like I've always been this way and I've I've always told people, I wish I could just take a cord and plug somebody into my head and just let you get a good taste of what it's like to be me for 24 hours. And you would never want to deal with it again. Hmm. I worry over this baby all the time. She doesn't even go to a babysitter because I'm so paranoid that somebody's gonna touch her. I feed into this life with her over things that have happened in my life in the last 15 years. And I don't care. And people think that I'm overreacting or I'm over-exaggerating. And the case may be that you you feel that way and that's your opinion. But in my matter, it's not. I have had it happen numerous times and nobody believed me. You know, no no one was there. And I never got a closure from any of it. So after he raped me, and I'm not trying to jump all over the place, but Tell your story, please. I'm here. After, so after he um he raped me. He, uh, we went to court. Um, they did prosecute him, but he got six months in jail and placed on um, the sex offenders list. Um, after this is six I, fucking
0: months. Guess. Twenty-four years old. You rape a thirteen-year-old in the middle of the night, and you get six fucking months. And I was what listening. the fuck. Dude, I've been having these conversations with people and this shit pisses me off more than anything else. What the fuck, dude? And then six months later, he comes home and you as now a 13, 14 year old girl, you got to worry about this fucking guy is home now. And he said he was going to kill me if I told on him.
1: And I actually, um, he only spent four months in, in the state of Virginia. If you are on good behavior terms, you get two days suspended for the one, you get two days suspended for every one day you're good. Mm. So he wound up only spending four months in mm. and I got a phone call from the prison saying he was being released three days before my birthday in July. And, um, he's lived not even a quarter mile down the road from my parents ever since then. And I mean, I see him in town, like that's how small this place is. Mm. I see him at Walmart and he's okay with saying hi. Like he's, it, it's and, mine. And love. what do
0: you do? Do you say hi back? Cause you're uncomfortable? I-
1: I, I try to avoid him at all costs like he's still and he's smaller than me like I'm I'm a big girl like mm-hmm. I'm I'm six foot tall I'm hundred and eight pounds i I can pick up a 1200 pound motor that's what I do for a living hell yeah but to see this yeah so like <laughs> but to see and scares the shit out of me like I I cannot really? stand either of him and he's like five foot eight
0: and yeah, yeah 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 but but here's the thing it's not him who scares you it's what he represents that scares you right right and i think you still feel like that situation has power over you because you've yet to fully overcome it emotionally once you overcome that inside of your own heart and mind when you see him he won't represent this big scary thing that you're still keeping inside of you you know what i'm saying
1: oh absolutely and after that happened I kind of just went downhill like I didn't Mm -hmm. I played softball and I was number one pitcher in my county I had um been offered to play in the Netherlands on a semi-national team um I'm on a Wheaties box
0: get the fuck out of here that's dope
1: yeah so like I did really well I was um I was pitching you know 80 or at 14 15 years old Got accepted to Alabama um, to North Carolina. I played with tech girls. I went to UNC Chapel Hill and played for a while. Wow. So I did really well. And then um, my depression and and just everything within my life, with my parents, with my home life, with my school life, with not having, you know, any type of support system, I just kind of barreled. And so when I got into college, you know, and my parents were the type, like I couldn't have go anywhere. I couldn't have friends. Like I couldn't stay the night nowhere. I wasn't like, I wouldn't love to shit. Hmm. And, Um, they're very orthodox and very just, um, this is how it's going to go. You don't have an opinion in your life or how you feel in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had, uh, went to Ferrum college. I got a full ride to play softball up there. Um, I had been with the same guy for probably three, four years. I graduated high school, um, with a 3.5. I did really well. Um, then I got to college and then I got raped again. And then I got strung out on drugs. That's and when
0: the drugs started. You said at 18, you started doing drugs. Was this right after the rape?
1: So I quit softball. I dropped out of school. I flunked out, mm. actually. Um, I come back home and moved in with my great grandmother, which I took care of till the day she passed away. Um,
0: you can be proud of that.
1: Yeah, I was the only person there um, up until they put her in the hospital and everybody wanted to just play all on her family. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say um, through the Alzheimer's dementia, I was the only one that she knew. You
0: and know? that's not easy to deal with. I've got family going through that now. It's a very long and difficult process.
1: And you're talking 24 hours a day, seven days a week until she passed. I was there. and. Yep. So I in that midst of that I moved into a a really, really, really small town called Saltville, um, which is where my grandmother lived. And it was just drug central there. They are like a bunch of old backwoods hillbillies that don't even know what the internet is. I mean, you talk (laughs) to them like fucking old and small, like one Mm. stop sign, just put a red light in a few years ago, small. Wow. Um so I went there, and she died. Well, in the midst of her dying is when I met my drug dealer, and I got strung out and got pregnant. So she died a couple months before I had my son. Um, she had got pneumonia, and I wound up having to contact the hospital, and we moved her closer to where my parents live. So we moved her down here, and she had—I had actually signed her DNR, and. Um, Abingdon hospital. Um, when she had stated that she, she told me she said, I'm tired and I'm ready to go home. Mm-hmm. And then she was going through, she was 84 years old, four foot eight, maybe weighed 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. Full of the, she, she was done mm-hmm. and I had respect enough to make sure that that stood where it was. Mm-hmm. And so I was seven months pregnant and we were at the hospital and my dad calls and he's like, you know, you guys need to come and say your goodbyes. So I go to the hospital and, um, my grandmother, her daughter, cause this is my great grandmother that's dying. Um, she is in there asking the doctor to put a trachea in her throat to keep her alive mm-hmm. because as long as she was alive, she was receiving checks. Mm-hmm. And I, but wait,
0: this is the grandmother that you said meant a lot to you.
1: No, no. no. So that was my different brother.
0: grandmother. Okay. So your mom's mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, is, so your mom's family is
0: family's <laughs> fucked up. Royally fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, through and through, right?
1: Absolutely. Like, there's not one on that side of the family I can honestly say has got a right scent to them at all. At all. So yeah. So my grandmother decides Mm. that gonna try and keep my great grandmother alive. Mm -hmm. So with her mother, so that she can keep checks coming in. And I, I told him I was like, absolutely not. Like she signed the N R and I signed it for her. Like, you're not going to keep doing this to her. She's not responsive. She's not even here. Like, the mm-hmm. only thing that's her is a breathing machine right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, we're all standing outside of the emergency room parking lot having a conversation. And the same papa that molested me when I was younger is standing right beside of me. And I tell my grandmother that she's almost lost her mind. And she looks at me and she's like, you need to keep your mouth shut. You're already on my shit list. And I looked at her and was like, I don't give a fuck what shit list I'm on. And my papa punched me right in the face and about knocked me out in the middle of the hospital room parking lot. Wow. And I'm seven months pregnant with my grandchild, with his grandchild set. Wow. Yeah. So he decks me and then my uncle, which is the other uncle that molested me. um, He picks him up and slams him on the ground. And my dad starts to beat the shit out of him. He takes off flying, jumps in the truck, and pulls a gun out on all of us in the middle of the hospital room parking lot. So, (laughs) yeah, I
0: should write a fucking book, okay? You should. And let me tell you, though, honestly, this is some country-ass shit that you're telling me (laughs) because this shit doesn't happen out here. I'm from San Diego, and this is the shit that we call some country-ass shit, right? Very country hillbilly shit. Now, listen, for the record, my stepdad... Is a white dude from South Florida and he's also a fucking redneck. I grew up listening to Waylon Jennings and all this shit too. So I I got a little bit of redneck inheritance in me as well. So the
1: crazy hillbilly still runs through your blood. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can skin a buck. I can catch a catfish for sure. Um, So, so, so then what happens after that? So thank God, obviously your, your baby wasn't, you know, uh, hurt. You didn't have any, birth defects, I assume, or anything from that. Um.
1: So I wound up getting rushed to the hospital where my doctors were. Um, my papa actually took off and ran from the police and they wound up catching him. And I told him that I didn't want to bring charges and I just wanted to be left alone. And, uh, and he actually picked it up and charged him anyways. On good,
0: good. Now, wh- now, listen, let me ask you this, and I don't mean to break up your story and I know you have ADD like me, so if I interrupt you, you might forget what the fuck we were talking about. <laughs> But why wouldn't you want to press charges? This man molested you. You're pregnant. He punches you in the fucking face. At what point do you stop and stand up for yourself and say, you know what? Fuck you. Or is there just too much pressure in the family to do that?
1: So I think like, I think I learned a lot of that from my grandmother is I can't move forward with my life if I keep, if I can't forgive for what's happened. And yes, he did. And they all did. That's my family. And they may not love me and they may not feel for me the way that I do for them. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't, that's, that's family. That's blood. That's, and they would bury me under the fucking under the jail. These people would put me in a grave and they don't care about you.
0: You know, this is one thing that I'm grateful to do that to them. I can't. can't. Two things I want to say to you and hopefully these ideas might flip a switch for you. One, there's a difference between forgiveness where you talked about forgiveness and justice, right? So there's what's right. You can do what's right and then say, I forgive you, but we still need to do what's right. And they can say, I accept my punishment and I forgive you. Like there, that there's a, just because you're forgiving doesn't mean that you're not going to administer justice and do the right thing. Forgiveness doesn't mean allowing somebody to take advantage of you. That's two different things you do the right thing. And then you say, and I forgive you while you sit your ass in jail. I forgive you. I hope you forgive me. And if you don't, well, I'm sorry for you. I do. That's a difference.
1: I mean, and and I agree completely. I do. Um, I'm also a, um, a very spiritual. I'm not, my, my spiritual beliefs are a lot different than most. Um, I'm very um, old soul, very old spirit. Um, I believe that karma and God will follow through with the things that they need to when time comes. And my papa, he uh, wound up getting stage four lung cancer before they ever called it. And he died uh, a couple years ago. Um, My other uncle is in jail, um, in prison, because he decided to rob a bunch of places. So everybody's getting their karma. You know, I didn't have to go through the job to do that. God took care of that for me. And I knew he would. And I got saved last year um, in November. I've never picked up a Bible a day in my life. I've never, um, you know, was re- I grew up in church. My parents did, but nothing was ever administered the way God would want it. You know, The love that was in that Bible or in that church or wherever it was that was being preached about was never in my home. Mm-hmm. And I never learned it like I should have. Mm-hmm. And through everybody in my life, I've met so many different people, you know, and... I just, I I feel a certain way about it and, and God has taken care of it for me. And now all he needs me to do is work on myself mentally to where I can go forward and I get there slowly, but it's, it's there, you know? Um, but when I, I mean all that happened, my parents actually kicked me out when I was pregnant with my son because I got pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, um, I my grandmother was the only one that knew that I was pregnant with him. She was the only one I had told about it, and she kept it quiet. This is my nanny. This is my dad's mom. This is the one that was like my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, she uh never said a word. She kept her mouth shut, and then due time come, and it came out, and they told me to pack my shit and go. So I wound up living in a trap house. You lived in a what? In a trap house. I was a eight month pregnant female living in a house. With about ten junkies taking care of them, playing mother hen, making sure they were alive. Did Getting you fed. do drugs at
0: all while you were pregnant?
1: No, I didn't do anything.
0: Hmm.
1: Didn't do nothing. Um, I smoked pot when I got after I had him. I mm-hmm. did. I've, I've always weed. In my opinion, on weed is a lot different. Um, the way society is today, you know. I, if it wasn't for weed, I'd probably done blowed my brain out a long time ago. For being perfectly honest, like hey,
0: that's, you know. I don't it's smoke alcohol. weed anymore. I used to, but I feel like weed is far, far better than alcohol.
1: Absolutely, far better. Far better. And I was an alcoholic when I was a little girl, so like, you know. But he quit when my mother got pregnant with my sister. You know, it took him going through another child for him to finally get clean. But that's all subject. Um, Good job. But, Good job. Yeah. The ADD
0: brain. <laughs> You're like, yeah. don't do that.
1: Let's <laughs> <kind of> go. <laughs> <laughs> so i wound up living
0: in a, in a trap house um, and how was that was that crazy or what it was it was a madhouse. house um, And did you have your baby there no well i was pregnant um but i mean did no- you stay there after you had the kid because you were almost about that, to have your baby
1: that's this is where we come into the abuse part with my parents so like i um i was pregnant with him i was living there Um, I was living there without, with was drug addicts, um, that I've known my whole life. I grew up with them and I I care for them and I didn't want nothing to happen to them and I had nowhere else to go. Um, but literally there was no water, no kitchen, no sink, no toilet, no shower, no nothing. I was sick as hell puking off the front porch, like mine, the neighbor, um, is like my adopted sister, and she took her and her family took care of me. I would walk up there and take my bath, and they would feed me, and then I would go back down there and make sure that they were okay. And so wow. I lived there until about two weeks before I had him, and my parents decided that it was um, convenient and necessary to ask me to move back in with them. So I moved back in with them, and I will. Why do you say con-
0: why do you say convenient?
1: Because they only do something when it's convenient for
0: them but what was convenient about that?
1: Um, understanding that it was either, they moved me in there and helped me raise the baby or God only knows where we would have wound up. Okay. And so we moved back in with them. Um, I would I have to, was-
0: I would have to say on that point though, that that was nice of them. They cared. I mean, I don't, I'm not their biggest well, fans after this conversation, but at least they gave mm-hmm. a fuck to say, we're not going to let, our grandkid goes yeah. where? Like they, they, they looked out that time, right?
1: Don't be wrong. They are my parents. They give me life, and they have helped me a lot. Yeah, help doesn't come without something else. It uh-huh. never, uh-huh. it never will.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so I moved back in with them. Um, uh-huh. Stayed at home in Jackson for probably, probably like six months, um, and then I got a job at Dish Network as a teller. Um, so I started telling up there for them. I worked there for about two years. Um, but in that first year's time of Jackson being alive, uh, I, um, I was smoking pot, you know, I wasn't doing nothing wrong. I was home with my baby every day. I was working every day. And so what if I wanted to smoke a joint? I wasn't hurting anybody.
0: Sure.
1: And so. The thing was, is that my parents were wanting to be very controlling and possessive about the situation. Well, this is how you need to do it, and this is the way you need to do it. Blah 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 blah. And long story short, Christmas Eve of um, 2013, his first year of birthday, um, we had had a big old fucking argument, and I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm not arguing with you. I'm taking my baby, and we're gonna go to my nanny's." So I started kind of getting a few things together, and. My dad jerked him out of my hands by his arms and legs and told him and me that I wasn't going anywhere with him and picked the phone up, called social services and the law, and they took him from me because I filled a drug test for wheat. And they have had him ever since then.
0: They still do. Your parents do. Oh, my God. Wow. And my calls her mother, Mom,
1: and calls my dad, Dad. And I barely get to see him. Oh, no. Neither does his sister. (laughs) So I got strung out again. (laughs) After they took him, uh, the courts and all the extra, um, I kind of just fucking hit rock bottom, and I didn't give a shit anymore. (laughs) So I disappeared and I took off and I just vanished for about three months and I didn't know what to do. Well, I got strung out and I started doing cocaine and I was doing some boxing and anything else I could get a hold of. It didn't matter what it was really. Um, And, you know, I'd always fought with him to try and be there. I'd always call them, always try and talk to him, always try and be there, you know, in whatever way it was that they could to avoid me talking to him or to avoid me seeing him, you know, was the way that they wanted it and the way they wanted to keep it. And so my dad calls me one day, you know, two years down the road and he's like, don't ever call. Don't ever come by. Don't come call Christmas holidays, birthday, nothing. He was like, if you can't go to rehab and you can't get clean, you can't see him when in reality I would have been clean and just fine if You guys wouldn't have done what you've done initially. So um, I went to rehab for 30 days. I checked myself in the very next day voluntarily. And I went to rehab for 30 days and then I transferred over to a um, mental rehab for 30 more days. Um, After that, I caught out. Um, The abuse never really stopped. Um, The fighting was always going on. Uh, My dad choked me out in the middle of the bathroom one day and I wound up leaving again where I got strung out again. And it just kept being a recurring process and just a recurring process. And it got to a point where, you know, my baby is looking at me asking me why he can't come with me. And what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? You know, it's, tell him the truth and cause havoc on him in this house or don't tell him anything and just blame it on me because I don't know what else to do. I
0: don't You have this, you have this repeating pattern I'm noticing of being the, being the fucking welcoming mat. like you, you take, you, you I'm take gonna- all the pain, you take all the abuse and pain and punishment to sacrifice others feelings and to sacrifice everybody else. You take on the abuse to sacrifice so that other people don't have to face the consequences of their own fucking actions. Well, and it's like, right.
1: And I, and look,
0: you, and you remind me of my wife in that way. It's a type of mentality. It's a type of personality of the person who's just so ultra kind. For real. Like
1: I, I I'm the I'm the person that'll like I've I've been yelled at for giving a, a homeless man fifty dollars and going and taking him out to dinner and buying his dog dolls. Like I can't help it.
0: I know it. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to help it. My
1: grandmother was the most loving, godliest woman on this planet. I swear to God, like he took the most time making that woman. And everybody can say that about anybody. I get that. But there was something about my nanny that I don't know. She was just full on a godly woman and in a real way not in a way of well this is the way it's supposed to be and that's the way it's supposed to be it's a loving and forgiving way a, a way that god would want you to be and right. that is all i got within me that ain't made me fucking completely go berserk and lose my goddamn mind so pardon my language and i know i'm sitting here talking about god but at the same time like i've been royally fucked in my
0: life <laughs> like- yeah yeah yeah. no hey look for me i separate religion and, and and God, I personally do. I separate the two. So all the rituals, all that other shit, I don't give a fuck about that shit. What I care about is what kind of person are you? Where's your heart? That's all I care about. Absolutely.
1: And that's the way I want my daughter to be, you know? And like, I, I grew up having anything and everything that I could ever want. You know, my parents, they did not struggle like that. My dad was a truck driver. He made good money. My mom works for a stock bank. Like, they make good for themselves. Hmm. I would give every fucking bit of every bit of dime away just to be with people that I love. I would rather sleep in a cardboard box with people that care about me genuinely than to have all the money in the world. I don't give a fuck about none of that. I just want somebody to love me. And I don't that baby in there, my three year old, like, and I'm like, that is my heart. Like, that's my best friend. She goes to work with me. Like Mm -hmm. she does everything with me fully. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for her today. Honestly, I don't like with Jackson and losing him and the whole process with, you know, every time I have to walk out the door to tell him bye, he's asking me why he can't come with me. And until, you know, my life is in order completely, I financially can't support him and her by myself. And I just can't do it. I've
0: tried and I I can't. When's the last time you saw him? Um, a couple of days ago. Nice. So do you get to yeah. see him regularly now? So um,
1: I depends on what type of mood she's in, really. So if, I, oh, man, they, huh. so like sometimes I just go over there and, you know, get in. Sometimes they'll let me take him. Um, I've always, and I think they've come to realize that they can fight with me all they want to and they can have it the way they got it right now. And that's fine. But I will always make a point to be around period. I don't give a shit. We can fight about it every day, but I will always have my foot in your ass overseeing and and the conversation. And
0: regardless of what they've brainwashed him to say, calling them mom and dad, blah, blah, blah. That's not forever. That's a shitty fucked up situation. That's right now. They're willing to time. It's really fucked because they
1: don't, um, Like he's beat me with bat. He's hit through things at me and like went all wacko. Like, but it is not because they, they are trying to blame it on genetics. They say it's because of myself and his father that he has oppositional defiance disorder. When in reality it's they let him do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And he does not get disciplined for any of it until they piss him off. So as long as they're not in his way, And they're not getting on their nerves or doing anything that's making them mad, or they're not in a bad mood. He's kosher to do whatever the hell he wants to do.
0: Uh.
1: But as soon as they're in a bad mood or something's not right or whatever it is, they want to trip out. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm hard on Lily as far as making sure your toys are picked up. Make sure that you are respectful. Say please and thank you. Be kind. Be loving. Normal parent shit. Exactly. And with the, it's like talking to a fucking wall with them. And I'm, I'm to a point now where I just have to love him, see him and leave. Because mm. if I don't, I'm going to love him, see him and end up in jail. And so- it's
0: frustrating because since your time is so limited with him, you see what they're doing. You see the result of it, how he's behaving, but you can't have enough time with him to really make the impact that you want to make. That's got to be frustrating
1: yeah it's um definitely difficult and you know then my dad is like be his friend not his mother actually we're raising him and i'm like dude I, oh i'd want to fucking punch him in the face like, I, it's unbelievable do you want to like,
0: punch him in the face sometimes when he says this shit
1: yeah uh, my dad oh, i've tried to fight him like a grown man before just <laughs> because like i am to a point with him like and it wasn't but maybe about six months ago um we, we were over there and we had had, a, we had had a disagreement. He was calling his baby sister stupid is what it was. He was telling Lily she was stupid and an idiot. And I come out the door and I was like, you know, you don't talk to her that way. She's three years old. That's your baby sister. You don't be ugly. Yeah. And then my dad want to come in and comment. Well, they're just, that's not okay. That's not joking. You know, she picks that up and then she goes and sees other kids and she thinks it's okay. And it's not, it's not all right. Well, we wind up having argument over it and he grabs me up in front of the both of them and I called the law and I ain't never called the law like I'm not one to call the law I'm one to deal with something on my own like right. I'm as many times as law has been called on me over stupid shit with them I just don't and I was like you know what I've had enough so I pick yeah. up the phone and call the police They didn't do a damn thing. They come over there and let me leave. And that was all they done. (laughs) And like, It's it's just like, you know, this place around here, like if you know enough people, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do.
0: And I can tell you, it's good that like, it's it's also surprising that you being from there and not having been out of there very much that you understand that because that's, it's not like that here. The rest of the, it's not like, that's not the whole world. That's your little world that you're in right now. Just to give you some, some peace of mind that like, if you get out of there, it's different.
1: And I've been trying, like I,
0: I, I work for the
1: post office, so I'm a United States postal worker now. Um,
0: that's a great job.
1: Yeah. So I got that job and I also work, um, for a place called Bill's use parts, um, over in Christiansburg. So I deliver transmissions, motors and axles for them. So I'm the only girl in the whole plant and I work my ass off. Hell yeah. And so now versus 10 years ago has got a lot better, but I can never get enough of a head to get out of here. Like, I want my baby, even if it's just this baby, mm. I want mm. at least her to have a fighting chance at life outside of this fucking place. Mm. I hate this place. Mm. It's a hole. And it'll suck you in, and it'll never let you out. Mm. And her daddy's 40 years old and a grown representative of why this place does exactly what it does. Mm. And I'm, I'm 27, and I still so have dreams and ambitions about what I want with my life. And I don't want to live in a fucking hole with nothing with my baby. What living on replay every day of the same old shit and what's going to happen in 20 years. What's this place going to be like in 20 years? There's no jobs. Everybody's strung out on drugs. Then what just leave her here to fend for herself, to figure it out. Like my parents did me. I will not. So I'm just doing what I can right now. Right now we live with my brother. Like we live in a tiny little apartment. I sleep on the couch. She sleeps in her little bedroom. She's got her own little bedroom, her own little setup. But I mean, like I do, I sacrifice everything to make sure she's okay. And I'm just
0: trying to get out of here. And you're doing a great job. (laughs) You're doing a great job. I wonder this, right? I fucking like you, dude. You've got so much ambition, so much life, so much intelligence, such a good heart. You will win. You're still so early in the fight. You're 27. You've lived, no, you've lived 10 people's fucking lives already. And I know that it's got to feel like it's been a long fucking journey for you. Yeah. It's, it's been a long process. So like before
1: I had her, I actually was, um, I was very suicidal and I was going to take my life. I would um, I had never um done heroin or anything like that, but that's what I was gonna do and I w- I was just done. I after twenty five years of fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and never having a day where there wasn't something I had to fight, I couldn't do it no more. I couldn't. And then I got pregnant with her and and I just I was on birth control. I you know, it was a meant to be situation, you know. It was,
0: bumps. You yeah, know what I mean, that was I,
1: like, you know, not right now. It's not time. I'm not, I'm not ready just yet. And I need you here for her. And I have fought tooth and nail to make sure this baby is in a good environment away from the dumb shit. Not And like I've cut everybody off, both my sisters, my mom and dad. The only time I talk to them is go to see that baby. Like, and in reality, you know, four years ago, I was calling them every day just to hear their voice because I'll miss mm-hmm. my family because mm-hmm. I'm, I wanted somebody to love me. Like I wanted to love them mm, mm. and he give me her, he give me her for that reason. Mm. He gave me, I didn't need anybody else. That's it. And, like, and so with her though, you know, I fight with her dad, like that is a daily fucking battle. And I can't wait to tell him to eat a dick and go on mm. when, when that day comes, like I'll be so grateful because he doesn't do shit. He don't help. He don't do nothing. He helps when he thinks it's convenient. Like, I was in a bad accident, um, at work, uh, about three weeks ago, actually. And I was in trauma surgery and, in run at Memorial hospital for a week. I, uh, <laughs> I had actually, um, my truck, I drive a Chevy 3500 a flatbed and it's got these big metal steel gates on the back of it and they wouldn't come out of the holes. Well, I had to drop a column off. So I hopped over the gate Well when I hopped back over it, it was pouring rain, my foot slipped and I straddled the gate.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Yes.
1: They told me that if I was a man and I had outside feet out, that I was very fortunate to be a girl and have internal organs because they would have probably had to amputate it. If wow. I, they you would have pumped been like castrated by the gate. Yeah. So Holy they two hundred and five milliliters of blood off of me. Um, it swelled up to a small cantaloupe, like I couldn't cut my legs, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything, like nothing oh, oh. at all. Um I was on um so many heavy medications like literally this is the first week i actually got released today to go back to work so i've been raising her taking care of her trying to maintain i can't lift anything over a gallon of milk like
0: <laughs> it's are you, been really- are you doing okay
1: yeah so i'm I'm doing better they had to um, do surgery i had a bunch of stitches and things down there um
0: what meds did they give you
1: so i was on um Aladdin, morphine, and Roxy-15s. Listen to
0: me, dude. That's the most dangerous fucking shit they could do to anybody, but especially somebody like you. I've never done heroin. The way I was raised, whenever I got painkillers, my mom was like, we don't do that shit. And I just felt the pain. We threw the painkillers away, or we didn't even pick up the prescription. But everything I've heard from people who have done heroin or any kind of opiates is that it makes you feel like all your problems go away. That is the worst thing that can happen to somebody who's trying to get away from their problems. How has, how do you, are you worried at all that you're not going to be able to stop taking this shit or have you already stopped taking it or what?
1: I um, actually finished my prescription last week and I have not had anything since.
0: So fuck that shit. <laughs> throw that shit away. <laughs> fuck that shit.
1: Like, but like on an honest note, like I have never in my life experienced that much pain. Like my baby was with me cause she goes to work with me and we were in two hours away from home delivering car parts like so i had to call an ambulance wow
0: wow she was with you
1: yeah they wound up flying me into another hospital where i had to go through trauma surgery that night like i hemorrhaged my gut and i i had to get the nurse i told the nurse i'll just take her and take her and go somewhere with her do not please don't let her sit here and listen to me scream because they by the time i done got to the hospital they didn't give me four shots morphine and a shot of academy and it wasn't doing anything Wow. and they can't do or give you anything else we don't give you enough to put a horse down and he was like you're gonna just have to hold out and i literally for three and a half hours uh on in a ambulance from one hospital to another screamed my way there um while her dad come and picked her up and took her home and it's just been
0: you <laughs> know what you know what's a <laughs> great thing about you listen to me Listen to me, Ashley, you're fucking, ins- dude, <laughs> you and your life blows my mind, but your smile. So for people listening to this, they can't see this, but I can see it. Your smile is the most beautiful, energetic thing I've seen. And I fucking mean that from the bottom of my heart. And that's what gives me so much hope for you. I, I want. I want to ask you this. I really mean it. Like you it's funny. You're telling me all these devastating stories and all I can do is smile because because you, you know, like there's so much life and love inside of you that like all this shit you've been through is in your rearview mirror and that's kind of the question I want to ask you. All this stuff that you've dealt with, does it feel like it weighs you down or does it feel like these are things that you've survived? Because those are the two different ways that you can look at it when you've been through this much shit. As I've been through shit too it either is on top of you or you're standing on top of it. Which is it?
1: So I think honestly, my answer would be, you know, some days are harder than others. Um, some days I feel like I'm suffocating. Um, like there's not enough air to breathe around me because of everything. And, Then I stop and I look at where I used to be and what I've worked so fucking hard for and fought through so much shit for, and I finally have this small bit of peace in my life, just a very smidge, but that smidge is worth so much to me because I've never had it, and yeah, I feel like I'm on top of things now because of the day I can sit and say that I can put my foot in everybody's fucking ass and tell them all the shit on it because I've done it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can all eat a dick, like yeah. on honest note. Like I I I used to fucking feel like the world was collapsing on top of me and now I fucking stand tall and suck it up, deal with it because I've been through way fucking worse than what I deal with now. And
0: life is getting better every day. Fuck yeah. And listen, the shit, the people who have been through as much shit as you and I've been through my own shit. It's all relative. But, you know, the people who have been through that much shit, it either takes you out, you end up fucked up on drugs, you end up in prison, you end up killing yourself. If not, and if you're lucky, one of the lucky ones who comes to understanding about it, who has enough love and ambition and hope in your heart. And if you have kids that they don't let you fucking fail, you can't fail when you have kids. dude. When I had my first daughter changed my life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And if we're lucky enough, the few who are lucky enough to start to bounce back from that, the the shit that we've been through, nobody can fuck with us. Nobody can compete with us. Nobody can hang with us because we're the strongest of the strong, you know, it's like if you get cut and then it comes back and heals. that's like that hard tissue, that scar tissue that's it dude when you fucking get cut and then you come back and actually heal it doesn't kill you you're the hardest strongest fucking person on the planet and when somebody's been through as much shit as you you have the potential to be one of the strongest people in the world that's just the way that goes
1: i'm looking i'm 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 looking to make that life for not my just myself my daughter deserves that i don't even
0: give a fuck about me for real no, 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 I, 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 i'm not letting you do that yes yeah, she deserves it we know that I mean, You, Ashley. No, 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 not. But that's where you, this, listen, this is the problem that you still have. Right. And I'm not going to let you get away with that. It's always, yeah, me, but, 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 but them, them, them. Too much of that. Too much of that. Okay. Them and you, not them or you, you too. You deserve it too. You deserve happiness too. Like, this is one of the spiritual things, right? We deserve and will receive more than we would have ever even thought to ask for. More than we think we deserve to ask for is what we deserve. What you've done in life, who you are, what you've overcome, you deserve beyond your wildest dreams happiness. And the only person standing in your way is you. You have to understand and accept that you deserve that. And if you do, then you'll go after it.
1: Yeah. So, like. I'm I'm learning very slowly that that is how it feels and how I see it because I I was um, I was like and that's what I say like with the three years of her being alive like we were with a man that used to be the shit out of me and I've got cigarette burns and shit all over me like I wound up having to leave basically everything that her and I had just to go just to leave and we've been away from him for almost a year now. And within this year's time, more things have went up than they have down. And I have cut a lot of my mental and emotional status off about other people or connections with other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a really hard time committing to somebody because I've never had somebody fully commit to me without it being some fuck shit and behind it. And um, I never really like relationships and things like that. I'm, I'm terrified of, you know, I'm, I'm terrified of anybody around her or myself. I don't know who they are. and. I, I hate even opening that gate anymore. So, but I actually, um, have met somebody who's very, um, very sweet, very genuine and a good man. And he takes care of, you know, me and my daughter without, without a, a second guess about it. And it, it, I have caught myself wanting to run from that, wanting to flee away and just forget it because I've just trained myself to feel that way i've trained myself to no, feel no, no. that because
0: why Be- not because you trained yourself to feel that way because why you need to understand that oh you know i'm scared that i'm going to start
1: all over on a whole nother boat with the same fucking shit the same all all the time and it's like when i'm by myself the only shit i got to worry about is mine what's the point in allowing somebody to come in that gate and then more shit add to it when that's all it's ever been is shit on top of shit. And if it's not my shit, it's
0: somebody else's shit. And because deep down, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what the point is. The point is because deep down inside, you know that it is out there. Deep down inside, you know that it doesn't always have to be the way that it's been. Right? right. Deep down inside, you know that if you can find the right person to go through life with and help you raise your kids. You can be very, very happy on your own, but you want that love.
1: Absolutely. And that's like all I've ever wanted in my life. But I have come to a point where I think, you know, and you're right. I've always, you know, told myself that it's, you know, more or less about them and not about me. And I've always put everything off to be somebody for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I've never really felt that love. And, you know, and it's, it's frustrating and aggravating because I don't know where to turn to look for that right love. So I wind up finding fucking crazy people or people that do things they shouldn't do. And then I catch myself in a horrible situation. I'm like, you know, maybe we'll just hold off and just stay the fuck away from everybody until I can be the person that I need to be or myself.
0: So, well, it sounds like you, it sounds like you just need to change your criteria and be a little bit more conscious about how you're choosing people. Think with your heart first, yeah. right? But also think with your mind. I mean, obviously you had kids with two drug addicts. You probably want to stay away from the drug addicts.
1: And the problem around here is they're everywhere, like and it's instant and tell you, oh, I don't have a drug addiction and then the next thing you know two two three years into a relationship they've done for everything you got cuz like her her dad that man has robbed me blind. I actually was pregnant with her running around selling anything and everything I could to get him out when I was pregnant with her. Like it, it has just been a whirlwind and, but I can't help but smile. I, if I don't, I'll drown and I can't, so
0: we're here. This is what I, this is what I would suggest to you. Okay. Uh, I would suggest this, right. First of all, give love a try, but take your time, right? Be patient. You don't have to rush into anything. You know that you're 27, you're a smart, smart lady, and you have a lot of time. Uh, but here's what I would say is look to opportunities that you can create for yourself online to make more money. Right. Think about yeah. that because like I have a business, my business is all online. I have employees like in the Philippines in India, uh, all over the place. Right. And mm-hmm. And we started our business four years ago. And this year we'll probably do a little bit over 2 million in sales, but not that long ago, not that long ago, I had no car, no driver's license. I had a drinking problem. I was fucking depressed and I was walking my kids to school two miles back and forth on my shoulders. No clothes. Like I was fucked. I was fucked up. It doesn't take that long. And there's a lot of opportunities right now you can find you can find and create an opportunity online where you can do really well even if you're not making millions of dollars you can make enough to get the fuck out of there and go yeah. somewhere else at least go somewhere like it doesn't have to be san diego where it's crazy expensive but you can go to i don't know what's around you uh i, I want on but that's the thing like when i say away
1: <laughs> like i mean like hit the car or on the plane drive away don't ever look back like,
0: yeah, fuck it yeah don't come back where I'm would you going? go where would you go
1: I would go midwest or out west, so like i I've been all over you know down through here I've been to Florida, I've been to North Carolina everywhere you go through here is just eat up with something. The population is so fucked up and strung out that jobs are flunking and things are falling apart and like in like the air over where you guys are compared to over here is. Insane. Like I drove to Kansas. Don't ask me why I drove to Kansas. But I, <laughs> Sixteen hours by myself. I just took off, and I just went out there to look, just to see, just to see the flat, because I've never seen anything without mountains. I I just seen the ocean for the first time in my life two years ago. Wow. So um, I went out there, and just to smell the air is just so clean and fresh, and people are so nice, and just it's a different atmosphere. And I'm just ready to close off this whole like book. And just start a new one in my life, you know, because this book has been a, a roller coaster, but it, w- I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all the fucked up things. that. Happened. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. You just watch how these experiences that you've had in your life are going to lead to your big wins and your big successes after this. Because you've seen it all. You know how to cope you know yourself because what the one thing that you really get from going through all this shit is you have to spend a lot of time analyzing your feelings and yourself to be able to stay sane. You have to, cause you have to hold on to whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not medicated. So it's like, there is no other
1: control other than my own. So, and I choose not to be, I choose to do this for myself because sure. I don't, I want to be me, you know, I want to be me and be able to, to deal with me and love me for the way that I am, whether it be anxiety, Ashley, or PTSD, Ashley, or depression, Ashley, like at the end of the day, I know it's just a phase. I know it's just something that's, that's sunk onto me and, and that I have to deal with. And, you know, being very self-aware is something that I've always been able to do because, you know, I haven't had nobody. So I've spent a lot of time in my head, a lot of time by myself, and I'm not afraid to be alone. And I think that's a really good thing for somebody who does deal with the things that I deal with is not being afraid to be alone.
0: It's literally the key to happiness in life is that self-awareness and being able to be alone and in your thoughts and thinking back on your life and understanding your life. Same thing with me. When I was 14, I almost committed suicide. I was going through a lot of family issues and shit. I was isolated a lot as a kid. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me, is because it forced me to sit and just think. And what I came up with in that was, okay, this that you did is not right. This is not the right way to be. This is the right way to be. This is how I feel about it. It wasn't my fault. This is the and boom. And then I going into the world with this understanding of knowing what's right, what's wrong, who I am. That's the biggest strength that I have in life. And you have the same thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that's one thing that I can say about myself. Like, I I have a lot of. You know doubts about myself and where I stand, but with time and with a lot of, of learning about who I am, I'm good with who I am. I'm a good person. I'm a loving person. I take care of mine and I don't want anything in return other than love and, and, and genuine and, and loyalty. And, and I don't think that that's a lot to ask for. And until I receive that from the
0: right people, I will maintain being alone. You should, dude. Like it's better to have one person in your life who fits that criteria than to have 20 who don't. Like my whole rule of thumb is I will do anything for you. And I I even though I may never even ask you to do it, I expect in my mind that you would do the same for me. That's the one question that I ask myself. Yeah. When, I, when if somebody like if I feel that you would drive to uh mexico to pick me up i'm driving to fucking china to pick you up like times 10
1: absolutely
0: you know what i mean and if and you like surround I- yourself with people like that then you're good sorry what yeah oh no you're fine i was just saying i agree
1: like i there are um a couple people you know that i and the, it's messed up because i would still i don't know why but i can't help it i would still do anything for anybody and it doesn't matter if they shit on me or not like just like with Lily Sad, you know i've I've made it, you know, clear past relationship that regardless of the situation or, you know, the way that he does me, that is for dad. And with showing him love, I feel like one day he's going to wake up and he's going to see the type of person he might be. And maybe he doesn't. But at the end of the day, that doesn't define who I am and so no. He's strong and stuck on the side of the road and he calls me at two o'clock in the morning and asks me to come get him and I don't care if I haven't seen him in a month or a year like
0: I'm gonna go get him because that's just me that's okay okay so so earlier I told you I was gonna tell you two things and then I only told you one thing because I- <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> we got the same shit going on me and you so this is a bad conversation to have two ADD people um, right. here's the other thing that I would say right is that like
1: Hey, no, hey, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Almost done, baby. I promise.
0: Okay, sorry. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, no, we'll wrap it up. But I was just going to say, uh, You know, I've had my, my family is, is interesting too. And I've really picked my family, you know, and I've really, because I haven't had the greatest family, I've had to learn this lesson that like, just because we're blood related doesn't mean shit to me. I don't care that you're my this, that it doesn't matter. If you've treated me a certain way over a, a course of time, finally, at some point I've realized, you know what? family or not, you're not good for me. you are uh, It's unhealthy for me to have a relationship with you. And I don't give a fuck who you're related to. I don't care that we have the same blood going through our veins. I've had people that I'm not blood related to be much better in my life. I don't care. I'm done with you. I cut you off. And in this thing that you said, I'd still do this for them. I still do this for them. There was a point in time where my, and this is all the same point I'm making, but there was a point in time where I was trying to change my life my uh daughter's mom was pregnant with my first daughter and that was a big transitional time for me mentally. And all I knew was a bunch of gangbangers and drug dealers and killers and all these kinds of people. And I needed to get a job now because I needed to try to take care of my kid. And when I flipped through my phone and I thought, hmm, who can maybe get me a job somewhere? Who can get- if I wanted to get some weed or some dope I could find that for sure. Right. Oh yeah, That was all there, but I couldn't find one person who owned a company that could hire me or help me with some knowledge or help me with a connection or get me a job somewhere. Not one person in my whole phone book of 500, 800 fucking names. And that's when I realized how important it is and what the meaning is of that phrase. Your network is your net worth. And my network wasn't worth shit. And I made a conscious decision to cut all those people out of my life and start fresh. And in that time, I've seen the value of a network. My life is totally different right now. And it's a large part of that is because I've been very selective about the people that I keep around me because that affects you financially. It affects you spiritually, affects you mentally. And you are not going to be able to be one foot in, one foot out saying, I'm still gonna keep all these people in my life because they're not good for you. They're damaging you mentally. You're not gonna be able to heal emotionally while you still have these people doing these abusive things in your life and treating you this way. You have to make that hard decision to finally pull the plug on some of those relationships and say, I don't care that you're my friend since we were kids. I don't care that you're my mom, dad. Fuck you. I gotta go do something for me and for my kids and go live my life that's it has to happen there's no there's no halfway
1: yeah i agree so like and i totally agree because like my line you know and that's where i you know sometimes that line has got to be drawn on what side of the sand you want to stand and i've drew mine my foot's kind of you know it slips because i find myself caring and and i struggle with that um but the line is definitely been drawn i just got to make sure both feet feet stay planted on the side I needed on and not for everybody else, but for myself. And, um, it's, it's getting there, you know, and and like with Jax, my little, my little boy, um, it, that's about the only thing that has kept me here to a point where I've kind of halted myself from, from completely is that I, I fight leaving him. And, I don't want to leave him, but at the same time, I'm never going to have an opportunity to get him out of here, out of this area, if I don't leave. If I don't take Lily and run and go find something that's worth something in life, he's going to be stuck here just as much as we are. And I'm not doing anybody any good, staying, waiting for an opportunity when there is not going to be any opportunity around here looking for it.
0: So if you get yourself into a better financial situation in another town, do you feel that you'd be able to come back and get your son?
1: Uh, yeah. So in the state of Virginia, um, grandparents don't have rights, so they can't adopt him. They have temporary custody of him, um, until the court says so otherwise. So, um, once I am financially stable enough to support him and show the courts that I can support him and Lily both, um, the given back now, whether or not my parents are going to fight like hell um, is going to be a different story. My dad has made comments before, you know, when you get better, I'll be the first one to stand up and tell a judge that you can have your boy back. But at the same time, he said a lot and they've both done a lot and they both have fell back on a lot. So I and don't At this point
0: they're attached to your son too. And they probably don't even really want to let him go. Uh, not, I mean, and she talks about him like she gave birth to
1: him. Right why I did this when he was a baby like hold up lady until he was a year old I was at home with him like mm-hmm. yeah I give birth to that little boy like what do you mean like I just she's gonna be a pain to deal with um as far as getting him back goes and a part of me is like you know do I do I fight at them or do I allow him to get to an age where
0: he sees what he's dealing with and no 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 I, no No, no, you don't do that. You don't do that. There's a, there's, there's, you need more urgency than that. I can tell you, if you get to that age, he's going to be saying, mom, why didn't you fight like hell to come back and get me? Fuck you. Like you can't wait. Waiting is not the option. What I, what I would suggest that you do is you got to be a little bit more specific about your plan because you can sit in the feeling for years and time just passes. You've got to sit down and say, this is where I want to go this is how I'm going to get my kid back. I called a lawyer, talked to a lawyer, lawyer says it's going to cost this much. And with my situation, they believe that once I do this, this, and this, it should be no problem. I called social services and said, Hey, what do I need to do to get my kid? And they said, this is the issue. Understand it on black and white, not feelings, and then figure out exactly what you need to do and do it. And boom, and it's done. You cannot let that just go on and on and on. Come up with a real plan and get it done, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. So like I'm where I'm working for the post office. I mean, I'm, I make really good money with them.
0: So sure. and I've, everything under
1: there. So I'm just like right now I'm building money. So I've got some money put back and I'm trying to get to a point where I'm looking to transfer with the post office out somewhere else. Um I've found a few places and I can transfer at any time. I just need to make sure that all my P's and Q's are in a row and all my ducks are in a line before I drag my three-year-old off to the middle of somewhere where I have absolutely know
0: anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, I mean, but until then, you know, like we're so much better now, you know, than what we were and every day gets better and it's slow,
0: but slow wins the race. Right. It takes time. It absolutely takes time, but I have a lot of confidence in you. I believe in you. I'm actually excited. If it's okay, I'm gonna request you on Facebook. I want to keep up with you and just see how things are going. Is that cool? Really, that'd be great. Okay, cool. Really you guys, like I've never had anybody um
1: really take and uh, appeal to my life and the things that have happened in it, and I'm very grateful to just talk to you about it. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: This fills my heart. This is the reason why I do this. This is not for anything else, but it fills my heart. I believe in you so much. I have so much empathy and sympathy for what you've been through. And I have so much excitement in my heart about where you're going. I can see it. I'm like, I'm a really good judge of people. Right. And I can see that as long as you can stay clean. And as long as you don't allow any of these moments of depression to take you under, as long as you keep fighting like you are, you've got your biggest, best and brightest days ahead of you. Shit that you couldn't even imagine. You're going to be standing there with your kids one day at a fucking amusement park or something. Everybody laughing and smiling. Everything's going well. And you're going to stop and realize how amazing it is and where, how far you've come. And I know that that's true. I know God's
1: got a bigger, a bigger plan, a bigger gift. And he wouldn't put me through all of this for nothing. I know he wouldn't. And it's just like in the scriptures, you know, I know you're going through all this pain, but the best is yet to come. Like it's, it's coming. And I know it is. I just got to keep going.
0: Okay. Um, Well, I don't know. I don't know what else to say after that, but I fucking, I, from the bottom of my heart, man, I love you and I wish you the best. Well, it was very much to meet you.
1: I'm very grateful and I love you guys. Thank you guys for real.
0: Take care. Thanks. Bye.